As we begin to look at that first Holy Week 2,000 years ago, we need a little overview to get started. Now, in the School of the Cross, I'm going to show you lots of maps, and I'm going to show you lots of pictures and diagrams and all of those, and I don't want to repeat that in the morning, though in the evening we'll be giving you tons of information. But I do want you to remember a little bit of the geography. So we're going to put up a map here, and I want you to notice the city of Jerusalem, I want you to notice the temple courts and the temple proper right there in the center of the courts of the Lord. Right there in the center is the temple. And then that whole top flat mountain area there, that's Mount Moriah. That's been leveled off and flattened and, and filled in and stones put in place. And all of that is the temple courts. Off there on that far side, you see where it looks like the tile roofs. That's Solomon's portico. That's quite famous and not only Jesus is preaching, but the apostles preaching. But then as you leave the, the, the temple, and as you come into the foreground, there's a valley right there in front. You see that? That's the Kidron Valley. So Jesus would have left the temple courts, come through that Kidron Valley, come right up past the Garden of Gethsemane, probably owned by the mother of John Mark. It would have been her private estate. And that was a favorite place for Jesus to stop and rest. It was a very common place for the, the apostles to stop and pray and rest and spend some time before the Lord in prayer. And then they would begin that rather difficult journey up the Mount of Olives and a few kilometers away to Bethany where they would spend the night every night. And Jesus did not stay in Jerusalem because he knew people were trying to kill him. So he stayed up in friendly territory in a little village of Bethany. Again, just three or four kilometers outside of the city of Jerusalem, up the top of Mount Olives and probably a little to the right. And every night he went out there and spent the night, and every morning he would come back in and spend the day in the temple courts. In fact, Luke chapter 21, verse 37 says that daily he taught. Every single day he was there in the temple during that first Holy Week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. He was there in the temple courts teaching praying for the sick, opening blind eyes, ministering to people. It was probably the greatest revival meeting Israel has ever seen outside of the book of Nehemiah. An incredible time, an absolute incredible, incredible season. It said the entire city of Jerusalem came out to hear him. And that's what's going on. So that gives you a little overview of where we are now at the beginning of the week. We've had Palm Sunday and now it's Monday. So we're going to pick up with our scriptures, and I'm just going to read you all the different passages about that first Monday, April 3, 30 AD. Now notice, you see I've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That, that's how it's laid out. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? And I've just laid out the scriptures side by side. This is what you call a harmony of the Gospels. All right? So let's start with, with Matthew. One of the first things that you see is that Jesus is, he's left the city of Bethany and he's moving down toward, down the Mount of Olives toward again, Temple Mount through the Kidron Valley. And he comes to a fig tree. Now, a fig tree is a very beautiful tree and it's a very popular tree in Israel. They, they like to eat the raw figs and they like to eat the dried figs to this day. Now, I grew up with a fig tree in my backyard in Alabama, and my grandma used to love to eat figs every morning. She 
my grandpa would take the fresh figs and he'd mash them up and he'd put a little milk and sugar. And that's what my, my grandma Sumra loved to eat for breakfast in the morning. It's nice and soft and easy for her to chew as she got older. But now we have the story of the cursing of the fig tree. Matthew 21, beginning with verse 18. I'll read all of these verses from English Standard Version. In the morning, so all right, this is Monday morning, uh, Monday a.m. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. Uh, they probably missed breakfast that morning. And after seeing and seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. Now Mark puts it this way. On the following day, when they came from Bethany, so all right, they've been in Bethany, they've left that little village, he was hungry, and seeing in a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not yet the season for figs. Well, now, then wait a minute. Why did he go expecting fruit? And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. Now, people get puzzled by this unless you've grown up around fig trees. You see, before you ever see the leaves, the little tiny fruits begin to grow. So if there are leaves, there are fruits already growing. Now, they're not well-developed fruits. They're kind of like what we would call a green mango. Okay, they're, they're small, undeveloped fruit, but they're still very delicious, and they're still very edible. So what we have here is a situation of unnatural growth. So Jesus was not having a temper tantrum. Jesus was cursing unnatural growth, a tree that had leaves and no fruit. When a fig tree should produce little fruits first, and then the leaves come out. That is the natural course of a fig tree. But he cursed this unnatural growth. Now, a beautiful application for that is you have to understand, God does not tolerate unnatural growth. What is a cancer? It is an unnatural growth. It is cells in the body that are they're out of, they're in chaos. Okay, they're normal cells that have a switch is turned in them and it's unnatural. They're not growing the way they're supposed to be growing. And they're, they're, they're destructive. Unnatural growth is always destructive. So Jesus cursed the fig tree. You'll often hear me pray for people who have growths in their body or they have cancer in their body. And you'll hear me curse the cancer and command that it die at its roots. Now we'll see more about this as we go. Now we come into a very controversial passage. The second cleansing of the temple. Remember the first cleansing? The first cleansing is in John chapter 2. In John chapter 2, Jesus takes out a whip and he drives these people out. He drives the corruption out at the beginning of his ministry. He drives the corruption out. Now, on Palm Sunday, we saw last weekend as I taught you, that he went in as an act of mercy. He went around and he looked at everything. He inspected the father's house and he did nothing. He just went up to Bethany to spend the night. Now he comes back on Monday and he's not grumpy because he's hungry. 
Okay, you you, you got to get the world's attitude out. He's not grumpy because he's angry. He gave these guys all night to get things right. Matthew chapter 21, beginning with verse 12. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out, drove out. He didn't request that they leave. He personally drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. Now, these people who sold pigeons, that's very important because those were the offerings for the poorest of the poor. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now notice, the problem was not with the selling of the goods. The problem was the exploitation. They had paid for the right for corruption. They were overcharging the people. They were making it difficult for people to to pay the temple tax with the temple coins. They were making it difficult for the poorest of the poor to to bring their offerings and, and live in obedience to the Mosaic law. They were making it difficult for the people. Now, let's pick it up in Mark chapter 11, beginning with verse 15. And they came to Jerusalem, and he entered the temple and began to drive out. Now, again, notice the word drive out. This was not a request. He didn't say, would you please leave? He began to drive them out. This was personal, personal actions. Now, you and I would look at it today and say, well, Jesus didn't act very Christian. He's the Christ. He personally drove these people out. Those who sold and those who bought in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seat of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. Notice, he would not allow. He was personally involved in this. He didn't have the apostles do this so that he had plausible deniability. He was very involved in this. He drove those people out and he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them, and he was teaching them, saying to them, it is, is it not written, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Now notice, strong actions, and then explanations. He said, let me tell you why I did this. He was teaching them. Verse 18, And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him. And because all the crowds were astonished at his teaching, they wanted to destroy him, number one, because they were afraid of him, and number two, because the crowds were astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. Now, Now look at that for a moment. These people that I showed you on Sunday, that Jesus did miracles right in front of, and they saw all the wonderful things he did. Now they want to destroy him because he touched their corruption. Now, one of the things that you quickly learn is that when you touch corruption, people fight. When you touch people's corruptions, people fight, and they want to destroy you. Notice, destroy him. They didn't want him to go away. They they didn't want to just correct him. They wanted to destroy him. When you touch people's corruption, there is this insane desire within them to bring destruction. You can meditate on that one for a while. Now, before we read the next passage in Luke 19, because that's the third passage here, I want to remind you of something. And the question is, why 
cleanse the temple. Why did he do this? Why did he say, my house shall be called a house of prayer? My house, my house, my house. Why, why was he so strong about this? Well, I want you to remember who Jesus was and is. Jesus is the Passover lamb. He's the Passover lamb. 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7, 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and 19. Jesus is the Passover lamb. Now, I want you to remember a truth about the Passover lamb. In Exodus 12, verses 3 to 6, Exodus 12, verses 3 to 6, the Passover lamb was to be inspected for four days that no defect. And this was a public inspection. You put that Passover lamb out in front of your house for four days, and everyone could inspect it and see that there was no defect. All right. Jesus is the Passover lamb. On Good Friday, he as the, he, as the Passover lamb is going to die for our sins. So, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, this is the inspection period. This is why he spent every day, Luke 21, verse 37. This is why he spent every day in the temple courts teaching, healing the sick. The people could see him, as Brother John likes to say, the people could smell him. He spent all of this time very publicly with the people. And he cleansed that temple. He threw out all that corruption. He stopped it. And notice, he entered the temple. He drove out those who sold. He would not allow anyone. I mean, th th these are big deals, all right? He drives them out. He would not allow anyone to carry things through. Because this was his reputation. This was his reputation. He is being inspected for his perfection as the Passover lamb. There's no corruption within him. As the Passover lamb, they had the right to see that Jesus was perfect in all of his ways. Now, let's read the passage in Luke. Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 45. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, all right, so this was a rebuke. Down here we see it was a teaching. It is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. You have made it, not God. God did not make his house a den of robbers. God called his house to be a place of prayer. They, in their corruption, changed the house of God into a habitation of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple courts. Notice, every day. Every day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him. So notice, who wanted to kill Jesus? Who wanted to destroy 
Jesus. Now, there's a difference between kill and destroy. Destroy means you have to tear up their reputation also. We have the chief priests, we have the scribes, and we have the principal men of the people. These were the businessmen. These were the guys who made their money off the corruption. But they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. This is one of those wow verses that I look at in my life. They couldn't do anything to Jesus because of the people's love for his words. Now, brothers and sisters, what stops the destruction of the living word? The people's love for the word. All over the world right now, the love of many is growing cold. Nation after nation, people have been locked out of their churches. Now, we've been allowed back in partway through last year, and at least in partial services. So we thank God that we have such religious freedom in our own beloved nation. But you know, there are other nations where the churches, they haven't had a single service since last February. And you know what? I'm sorry. Online is just not church. He said, don't forsake the assembly of yourself together, as is the habit of some. That's an assembly. There's something different about when the body of Christ gathers together. Now, beloved, in the Bible, it talks about the famine of the Word of God. There will never be a famine for the Word of God if people are hanging unto Jesus' words. You know the greatest thing that you can do to maintain freedom of religion in our nation? Do you know the number one thing you can do to maintain Christianity in our nation and to stop persecution of Christianity in our nation? Love the Word. They could not find anything. Not, not, not look at that. They did not find anything they could do. These powerful, powerful men. They couldn't do anything to Jesus, the living word, because the people were hanging on to his words. People who want to bring destruction to Christianity, they want to destroy the work of God. Brothers and sisters, they'll never be able to do it. Christianity is indestructible. And one of the things, the reasons for it is, we need to hang on to the words of Jesus. We need to hang on to the words of Jesus. You need to get up every day of your life and read the Word. You need to love the Word. You need to speak the Word. You need to, to, to talk about the Bible and you're coming in as you're going out with your children. You need to sit at your table and begin to talk about Scripture. Not preaching sermons to your kids, but, but talk about the Scriptures. What, what did you learn in your devotions today? What, 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 did, what did God teach you today? When you get together with your friends, rather than talk about COVID-19, Talk about the scriptures. Let me let me talk to you about something God showed me today. I have a friend in Australia, Pastor Claude, and one of the reasons I love to talk to him is he loves the word. And every time we talk, he's talking the word. Yeah, I was studying this this morning. Oh, I was reading this this morning. I love it. I've been to pastor's conferences since I was, oh my goodness, a young man. And most of the time, you'd listen to these big shots talk about their jet airplanes or their latest yacht or their latest sailboat. And you, you could sit there and, you know, 
nobody talked the word. But you know, when you, you get around people like Claude, you get around people like Pastor Dag Mills, you get around those pastors in Ghana, they love to talk the word. They love to talk the word. It's just out of the abundance of their heart, their mouth speaks. Beloved, that's what all of us need to have. That's one of the greatest teachings from this first Holy Week. These people who wanted to destroy Jesus couldn't find anything to do because, notice, all the people, all the people were hanging on to his words. You know what will stop the destruction of Christianity, stop the destruction of the church? If we will get such a love for the word of God in people. Amen. All right, those are the events that happened on Monday. A little shorter today. We'll have a lot of time for worship. So let's go to worship again, then we'll come back and pray. I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 121 verses 1 and 2. When confusion's my companion And despair holds me for ransom I will fear no fear I know that you are near When I'm caught deep in the valley With chaos for my Believe it. My help is from you. Go to the 
Let me pray for you today. We know all these COVID cases are spiking, and so many of you are very, very concerned. But, beloved, don't let fear grip your heart. Now, I'm, I'm not against the vaccine. In fact, we're we're trying to order vaccines for all the staff, and I'll be first in line. Now, I've had pastor friends of mine really get after me. You're going to take the vaccine, this, 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 this. And I'd look at them and say, you know what, what's the problem? You know how I look at the vaccine? When I was given an opportunity to go preach to all these 9,000 pastors in, in Ghana for their big annual conference, I was told I could not get a visa to go into Ghana unless I had a yellow fever vaccine. So I went down to the port where they give the yellow fever vaccine, and I sat there, and they said, now, you know, you can't leave for half an hour after you have it because many people have severe reactions. I said, I won't. Don't worry about it. And I had my vaccine and I sat there and worked on my iPad for a little while and did some studies. And 30 minutes later, a doctor interviewed me and I said, I'm, I'm feeling great. Arms a little sore, but I feel great. Because I wanted to go minister. And I looked upon the yellow fever vaccine as, you know what? This is something I need for the kingdom. And if I eat any deadly thing, it shall not harm me. I can pick up scorpions and snakes and poisonous snakes and they will not harm me. So I look at it like that. Very quickly in this world, you're not going to be able to get on an airplane. You're not going to be able to visit a church member in a hospital. We're not going to be able to do our ministry unless we have that little vaccine card. So you know what? I'll stand in line first to get the vaccine card so I can go and minister to people. But our trust is not in the vaccine. Our trust is in Jesus. Amen? So let's not let our hearts be troubled. Let's not be afraid. God has great and precious promises for you. So I want you just to breathe. <sighs> do you know what I sometimes do? I started this with one of our members who's a singer, and I look back now and I was so embarrassed. But a lot of time I just breathe praise. And sometimes when I call people at 4 o'clock in the morning, they're in an isolation room in a hospital and they've been having trouble breathing. I say, now listen, I want you just to take a breath and as you exile, just sing, Jesus, 
Take another breath. Jesus. Take another breath. Healer. Savior. And just breathe his name. All the names of Jesus. Jehovah Rapha, my healer. Every breath that you exhale, sing his name. Now, some of you, forgive me, I don't say this rudely in any way, but some of you are so afraid, you can hardly breathe. It's called a panic attack. <laughs> and do you remember where panic comes from? The demon god Pan from up in Caesarea Philippi, that Jesus said, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, against the church. They worshiped Pan. That's where the word pandemonium comes from, where the word panic comes from. This demon god harassed people, especially women, and they would have panic attacks. That, that's where the word comes from. But some of you are so afraid, you could hardly catch your breath. Beloved, breathe. Jesus, Savior, Healer, Redeemer. You don't have to sound pretty to anybody, but just sing his name. Father, I lift you, your sons and daughters today. And Lord, I come against this spirit of fear that's grabbing the hearts of people. Lord, you have not given us a spirit of fear. Lord, I ask for your joy. Your word promises that our hearts would throb and swell with joy, that it would cause all that pressure, all that pressure that's been pushing down. Let joy fill our hearts, Lord, that our hearts will, will throb and swell and break all that fear and break all that pressure off of our hearts. And Father, let your people just have a simple rest of faith that you have made the promise and you are faithful to all of your promises. I pray for all of our people, Lord, that have been diagnosed COVID positive. Lord, in Jesus' name, let the power of that thing just die. Let the same resurrection life that raised Jesus from the dead quicken their physical bodies right now in Jesus' name. And Father, let the power of that virus be broken. It will not replicate. It will not cause inflammation. It'll just die out. Father, I thank you for healing and life in the bodies of your people. Father, I pray for all those who are having trouble breathing with pneumonia. Lord, in the name of Jesus, let your healing flow into those lungs. Let those lungs and let those bronchial tubes and airways just open and open wide and clear. Let all that infection just come out in the name of Jesus and let them breathe freely and easily in the name of Jesus. I pray for our seniors, Father. You promised in your word that you'd satisfy them with a long life and a life worth living. Let there be no fear in their hearts, Father. Let them have faith in a faithful God. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll see you tonight as we begin School of the Cross. We're going to do a piece of it every night until we get through Friday night. We'll see you in the services.